Hey, hey, folks, James Azar here with the CyberHub Podcast. It's November. It's November. It's the month I'm dedicating this month to our veterans. I've got a familiar face joining me today, folks. Patrick Benoit, the Business Information Security Officer over at CBRE, former CISO at, um, um, what am I forgetting? Why, why am I forgetting the name? Cheetah Digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah Cheetah, Cheetah Digital. Digital um, and just an all-around great guy, friend of the podcast. Patrick, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me again. And I am, uh, I am really excited that I've got you uh, fooled into believing what a great guy I am. Um, you do have me believing what a great guy you are because I know what a great guy you are. You don't have me fooled. Okay. Um, we, we hung out in Dallas yeah. before COVID, like literally the month before COVID. That's true. We did State of the Union, yeah. We did State of the Union. We did rip up our um, speeches as well for the folks yep. that are wondering what do we do and if you haven't listened to the state of the union podcast you should go to our CISO talk podcast channel um if you're listening on the CISO talk podcast channel as well you can go back to the uh state of the union in february where pat mark hopped who's the CISO at databank and i have a uh hour and a half conversation around um um uh, the state Stop. of cybersecurity. We, we, we did do a kind of midpoint of this year. Yes, we did. Uh, was it June or July? June it was June, June or July. It was at some point earlier this year that we, we you, you, me, and Mark got back together and we're just like, hey, how bad were our predictions? Yeah. Because and they were. Well, in, in came a Chinese virus and kind of destroyed everything. But they still were pretty darn accurate. <laughs> we. We expected chaos, and we expected opportunity out of chaos, and there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I didn't think we expected a Chinese virus type of chaos. You know, I think we potatoes. figured our chaos was going to be election year kind of chaos. Potatoes, potatoes, right? <clears throat> the 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 beautiful um, part of doing uh, the podcast is um, being able to have that the lively discussion and. I can't wait for State of the Union next year um, because think of like July till now and we're in November, right? Like we're recording this folks before November, just for clear disclosure. That's why we're not talking about current events, Um, but it's October and it's National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which means we're all really, really bored. Um, (laughs) But yeah, see, I mean, the thing about doing the State of the Union coming up is that we've got six months of the end of 2020 that everybody that wanted to be visible and make a name for themselves has decided that they could tell us why the pandemic has changed the world uh, of cyber completely and that it's so completely differently now. And uh, it's, it's like, it's like the next new buzzword is uh, how badly COVID has driven us to a difference in cybersecurity. And, and, you know, that's a bunch of hooey. Um, (laughs) We still have to do the same things. We still have the same basics we got to cover. We might have different phishing attacks and different social engineering, but come on, guys, we're we're doing the same job. Well, the subject line in the phishing attack is different, but the phishing attack is still the same phishing attack. Exactly, and, and so let's not try and make a career out of speaking about how how uh, COVID has affected the cybersecurity you know domain. But that, I guess everybody's got to find find their niche, right? Well, um, people enjoy talking and 
they enjoy headlines, right? Mm -hmm. And they want to make a name for themselves and not always in the right way. And if we want to change that, then we shouldn't indulge these people who do this. Um, I personally don't indulge those people at all. Um, simply because you're right. Cyber is cyber. It hasn't changed. Um, most cyber folks know how to work remote and know how to work in an office. They know how to secure a computer, whether it's, yeah. you know, at one, two, three, ABC street or, at, you know, seven, eight, nine, you know, X, Y, Z street. That's semantics. And it just triggers me because anytime I say something about it hasn't changed that much, there's going to be somebody that's going to go, yeah, but, and then I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, but. And, and, and you know what it did change? I'll, I'll tell you this. You know what it did change? Um, all the um, people who were complacent, it kicked them in the tail. And for them, that was the change, right? Yeah. Because they were complacent. They pulled back the veil and let people Correct. see what was really happening. Yeah. 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 That's what it changed. You could cruise by kind of half assing your job. And, you know, before COVID and everything was quite okay. Now you can't do it anymore because you're, you're, you're out and you're on the main stage and you got to prove that you know what you're doing. Yeah. The lights come on and the roaches run for cover. That is very, very, very true. Um, so Pat, you are a veteran. Thank you for your service. Well, thank you for allowing me the honor. And this month is dedicated to veterans. I think in a month where we're dealing with, uh, presidential elections and Veterans Day and Thanksgiving. And we have a lot of things. People are always talking about being thankful. Um, and the year that this nation has had and the polarization, it's time that we, th we, we acknowledge and meet some of our real heroes. So what branch of the military were you in, if you don't mind sharing with our audience? the U.S. Army. The U.S. Army. And how long were you enlisted for? Uh, well, so I was enlisted initially on a two-year enlistment, and then, uh, you know, my idea was that uh, uh, I had to become an officer before that two years was out, or I was going to get out and go to college and, you know, do it the other way, and uh, um, got, you know, got accepted to officer candidate school, went went there, got my commission, and then stayed another three-ish, almost, so a total of almost six-ish years, a little shy of six years. So... so you know, one of the biggest challenges when I mentor and speak to a lot of veterans today is the idea of transitioning from uh, military to civilian life. What was that transition like for you? Um, you know, that's 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 been a long time ago, back in the dark ages. But um, it, it, I, I, I recall um, the biggest transition over time, frankly, had to do with there was so much um, kind of a... a I hate to say it, but like a lack of discipline in the corporate world compared to in a military environment. So, you know, I was, you're very used to a hierarchical structure. You're very used to, you know, superior subordinate relationships. You're very used to um, getting the mission and moving on without questioning, unless there was a valid you know, question that needed to be answered. Um, you were used to standing up front with your team and uh, leading your team forward and, and not just throwing your team out to go do the job. And I found a lot of um, that did not relate real well in the corporate world. It, it, it certainly was something I think that we've all aspired to and that should have been in the corporate world. 
it just didn't relate that way. And uh, so I had to learn to kind of temper my, um, my, uh, I don't want to say temper my drive so much, but had to slow down a little bit to uh, not be quite so aggressive at trying to get things done. Um, in the military, until you get up into those high ranks, you know, you can get away with talking frankly, especially when you're talking to, you know, senior enlisted uh, who run the, run the military, they're going to, they're going to tell you what, you know, what it's all about right away and educate you as a young officer. Um, so being frank and being open and transparent was really easy to do. Um, not so much when you moved into the corporate world, because there was a lot of, uh, uh nuance at all levels where people were kind of, you know, uh, playing with their words and such like that. So that was the biggest transitions for me. Um, and having to pick out, um, the right clothes to wear, I think. Although, um, when I came out, it was the time of the, the, uh, IBM and Ross Perot blue suit, you know, dark suit, white shirt red tie, you know, maroon tie, wingtip shoes. And so you could have like five or 10 of each and, and you never had to really think about it. Much like being in the military in a uniform, you just grab whatever's off the rack and you got the right thing. Um, I, I, I'm disappointed that's not the case anymore. I actually have to think about color matching and stuff like that. So That's you. I still wear <laughs> my black t-shirts. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. I, I, I have the most boring closet on the planet. Yeah. It's 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 pretty much ninety percent black. Yeah, yeah. When and I have all black jeans because I could never bring myself to really wear blue jeans. They just seem too casual. <laughs> so. the, 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 you know, jeans. You know, I could never see myself wearing white pants. No, uh, certainly not after Labor Day. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, white pants to me just seemed awkward. I mean, I I remember even when I would see you know shipmates in in the navy in white in their white pants yeah. i'm just like uh that's a like tough. it's it, it is a little tough plus you know when you come back you, you, when i lived in israel uh the navy you know whenever the 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 ship would come into haifa port i'd always see the the navy mates you know the shipmates and and and, and the seamen always at the restaurants around the uh the boardwalk in haifa and they're always yeah. wearing their whites and I'm yeah. just like, dude, you're sitting outdoors on furniture. Your pants are going to get dirty. You're going to go back onto the ship. You know, if you don't make it in time for roll call, your 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 uniforms are going to get dirty, and you're just going to get chewed out. Like, yeah. like just, I don't understand why the Navy still wears white. Tradition, you know, tradition is hard to break. Now you were in the service too, so we should thank you for your service too. Well, yes, and 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 thank you for that. But yes, I mean. Um, that's why I'm doing this, by the way, because I feel like oftentimes we, we we talk about veterans in cyber, right? But we don't really talk about veterans in cyber. And so highlighting kind of, you know, veterans in cyber and, and letting people understand that you didn't do cyber when you were in the military, though. There no, was no such thing. All. Was there such a thing as cyber when you were in the service? Uh, if, if it was, it was uh, one of those deep, dark three letter, you know, agencies or something because no i never heard of anything like that i mean um certainly sir i was and i was in combat arms so i was in field artillery uh, to begin with and so you know my first You're couple of years bravo right i was a 13 bravo 13, 13 bang bravo. bang yeah. Yeah. yeah 13 bang bang yeah so first uh, couple years i mean my job was hauling around ammo and you know and 
uh, carrying it up back for the guns and stuff. So um, that was that was a different world. And and then uh, I I was uh, uh, bebopping down the hallway in the barracks one day as a private E three. Nothing better to do, which is the first problem. And uh, I was walking, uh, walked right in front of the first sergeant's door. And, uh, you know, it did not click. And he's yelling on the phone at somebody. And, and, and that's not the time to walk in front of the first sergeant's door. And, and as I stepped across the threshold view, he yelled, he put the, pulled the phone and said, hang on, and yelled at me. He said, private, come here. Son of a gun. I thought that was it. I was done, right? I came in, locked up, reported. He said, boy, you have a life-altering decision to make. Well, yes, first sergeant. He said, you can either be the S3's driver. S3, for those that don't know, is the operations, uh, uh, the major that's in charge of operations. So he's the guy that's in the field driving all the exercises and everything that's going on, all the training and such. He said, or you can be the battalion mail clerk. And I went, um, Battalion mail clerk for sergeant. He said, good choice. Get out of here. I turned around and walked out because I was safe, right? And I'm walking out. Some other dumbass, excuse me, uh, private comes walking by. Says, private, come here. You're the new S3's driver. Go get your field gear. <laughs> so, so that was that was my life-altering decision. So then I, you know, I became the mail clerk, and I realized really quickly that you need to understand your client base. And my client base was the mess hall the uh the personnel division that, that you know that did the paychecks and stuff finance um and so those were the people that when i went and picked up paychecks and went to deliver them every day because we were still paper back then um, i made sure they got all their paychecks first and they made sure i had a place to sit at in the back of the mess hall with a little white linen table and a flower on and they made me whatever i wanted to eat and they made sure that my pay was never messed up and it showed up on time. <laughs> and so that, that was the first big lesson in taking care of, you know, customer service, taking care of your client base. That's, um, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, so for our audience, who's listening to you for the first time, tell us a little bit about what you're doing today at CBRE. Sure. Um, CBRE um, uh, brought me in to build a global business information security officer program. And traditionally, that's been a program where it's, it's a liaison of sorts between the line of business executives um, and the um, chief information security office. And so it becomes kind of a turnstile or turnstool um, uh, position where I would learn everything that I needed to know from the, the CISO and what the strategy is. And I would turn to the business executives, the line of business and say, hey, you're out doing your job selling and, and, and building revenue. And here's what you need to know about security. And they would tell me about their strategies. And then you would turn back around and say to the CISO, hey, this is what they're doing in the business. I think this is what we need to do to help support them. And that's a very traditional kind of swim lane. It would involve you know, answering questions for clients about security, questionnaires, audits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I took that basic role and then I said, I'm going to make it in, in the model of a sales uh, position. So a traditional sales role is, you know, you have an outside sales guy, you have uh, inside salespeople and sales support people. And I said, well, the BSO needs to be an outside salesperson. So he needs to be the senior security executive uh, that faces the client on sales pursuit and account management. Uh, and then the flip side of that is 
you need somebody working on the product or application side of the house with the product owners to help them embed security into their products so that you have the right story to tell the clients and the customers on the other side. So I positioned it such that the BSO is that senior security executive on both the product strategy ownership side and the, and the sales side. And then we have, you know, the delivery piece of our process, uh, people that, that manage all of the uh, delivery of client assessments and contract reviews and so on and so forth. That's um, it's, it's, not the traditional cybersecurity roles that a lot of people hear of. This is more for people who understand security but also want to be part of the business. That, that is true. And, and I would also say somebody starting into a team like mine, um, they have to be very open to the idea of, of governance, risk, and compliance because that's the language that we speak with the clients 100% of the time. And that's the go-between functionality we play between our technology divisions, our technology teams, and the client account teams. And we have to talk both languages. So, it, you know, if, if your inclination is to engineering, cyber engineering, BISO is not a place for you. It's just not going to kill but, you. But, but if, you're a, if you're a GRC kind of person... And, and GRC is kind of like your, 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 your favorite thing in the world, then the BSO office is probably something you'll really enjoy doing. Yeah. And then the step from that is once, if you enjoy doing that, that's the, that's the day-to-day stuff. But then that whole facing the client and facing the executives and telling a story, the BSO ultimately is a storyteller with only, with only two, two goals in, in front of them. One is to enhance or drive revenue, and the other is to reduce risk. And if you can't do those two things, then not only is the BSO ineffective, but the whole security program is of no value if it's not contributing in that manner. So let's talk about um, CVRE. Do you guys hire veterans? I mean, do you? How how have you in your career? Because you know, before you were a BSO, you were a CSO, and you've led a ton, and you've 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 got a really impressive resume of of work that you've done, um, you know. How did you look at veterans in terms of hiring veterans, and then what would you maybe tell an employer who is considering hiring veterans, uh, but isn't really sure? So the biggest the biggest um, just given to me uh, when I talk about veteran versus a non veteran is that I have a, you know, depending on what what they did, how long they were in and stuff, I have a pretty fair certainty that they are going to be fairly disciplined, um, fairly, uh, fairly organized, fairly process driven, fairly, um, you know, logical in the thought process. And they're going to be driven to accomplish the mission. They're going to be tenacious to finish whatever they start. Now, they may or may not have all the requisite um, you know, like technical skills or, 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 or uh, specific skills to the role. Those things are easy to learn. Um, it's like I used to say a long time ago and sometimes got in trouble for it is I, I could teach any animal, be it dog, cat or monkey, that understood how to reason and, and, and make logical decisions, how to program with just a programmer's manual. It, it, it's it's so that specific knowledge is not as important as that 
that drive to me and that um, that that just willing to work that ethic and so forth like that. So I always felt like it's a generalization, but that when you talk about a veteran, that you get a lot of those things up front implied. Um, you still got to do your due diligence. You still test for them and so forth. But that's always been a, uh, a thing to me. You also get a level of this idea of, um, of loyalty. Like, like I tell my teens, you know, I will stand in front of you and stop the bus as long as you don't throw me under the bus without telling me first. I have no problem with you going around me and, and, and saying whatever you feel like you need to say about it, but do me the courtesy of telling me first. And that kind of understanding of the hierarchy and of, of, of uh, management leadership and such like that is just something that um, is often hard for um, somebody coming fresh out of college to understand. Yeah. You mean after uh, four years of getting drunk and uh, on know. free will, yeah. you know, absolutely. So kind of to wrap up this episode, Pat, what's one of your favorite memories from the serve from your time in the service? Well, for, for me, the most, it, it really goes to the, uh, the, unfortunately, or fortunately, the, the adrenaline of uh, doing some of the things that I got to do, um, you know, jumping out of airplanes, uh, you know, hanging off ropes under helicopters, rappelling, and, you know, all those kinds of things that um, in, in, in most cases, most people in the civilian community will never do unless they get into extreme sports or something like that. Um, and that was just part of our you know, life. It was just part of what we are. And, and um, you know, you, you, uh, you get used to that. And so that's the unfortunate thing is when you're done with that, you've got to fill that somehow. So, so you, you, you start seeking other ways to generate that kind of adrenaline. So <laughs> you get into cyber. You, you do. C cyber has adrenaline. Yeah, there you go. De depending on what kind of cyber you're into. Yeah, every time you get that call in the middle of the night, you get a little rush. <laughs> yeah, every time you're 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 you get that call or that message or that email alert that yep. just like oh, what is this now? Yeah, yeah. Or you see the article that comes out that somebody had something happen to them, and you go, "Huh? Did we take care of that already?" <laughs> you, you know, that's that's kind of going to 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 you know, patch management and vulnerability management. And those are, I think those are one, two of any security programs. Um, if you don't have yeah. those in place, then you're, uh, you're, well, in, if you go back to, shape. if you go back to the way we train, uh, the military, it's changed since my time, I'm sure. But so my recall of it though, is you basically in basic training, the whole point was to strip away individuality and then build it back as a team and build back this idea that together you can accomplish anything that you need to accomplish. And, um, but it all comes back to, we start at the very beginning. We teach them how to dress and walk and talk and do the basic things they're supposed to do so that that's second nature. So then they can move on to the more advanced things that they need to learn. Right. Um, unfortunately, what we tend to do in, in technology, cyber specifically too, is we chase the next new shiny object and then we forget what we were supposed to be doing in basic hygiene and basic 101 stuff. Um, if, if we would just have a strong focus on, 
identity access management, patching and vulnerability management and remediation, backup and recovery availability, uh, business continuity. You know, the the rest the rest would almost take care of itself in a lot of cases. Uh, and, and in most of these breaches and things that we have out there, it's because somebody failed at one of the basic hygienes. It's always because somebody failed at the yeah. basic of hygienes. Yeah. It's well, the, the there's the old saying that there's only two ways that a breach occurs. It's because somebody did something they weren't supposed to do or they didn't do something they were supposed to do. That's the only two ways it occurs. That's the only two ways it occurs. <laughs> yep. And it's typically always human. Uh, yeah, there's always a chain, a link in there. Yes, always. Yeah. Brilliant. Pat, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for your service. Army 13 Bravo, that is field Ooh, artillery uh, for those who don't know. Um, that was my original MOS before I was, you know, 35 Lima. And so, before you got smart. <laughs> before, before someone said, hey, you speak languages? No, no, no. <laughs> Well, and I eventually branch transferred to Finance Corps because I, I figured out that I could have a little more fun doing that than than calling fire on targets. So, although although calling fire on targets is a lot of fun, it is. There's nothing wrong with it. It's fun. When when you're 16 and you're speaking to a recruiter and he goes, "Hey, this is what 13 Pravos do," and they show you a video and you're just like, yeah. "Yeah, that's it, that's it." Well, I appreciate you having me on again. I always enjoy it. It's a pleasure, and uh, thank you for your service too. And thanks to all the veterans out there. Absolutely, folks. It's uh, November. It is the month of uh, thankfulness. And so uh, for me this month, I am thanking all of our veterans, especially because November 11th is Veterans Day. And so um, with that being said to our veterans, thank you for your service. Pat, thank you so much for coming on the show, folks. Um, That's it. More veteran-led episodes coming up. So make sure you subscribe. Stay tuned. Uh, We'll bring so much more here in a bit. Until then, folks, this is James Hazer signing off and wishing you all to stay cyber safe.